not winning 90% of your new business because you have some sort of incredible value. I'm going to take a bit of a different angle. You know, we've got a budget this big. I'm going to give it to you because you have a, a really killer plan. You give a Red Bull to a turtle, what do you expect? <laughs> I think that's a dead turtle. <laughs> so let's move on to... Uh, hey, Rick. Cheers. 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 Does your current premium finance company lock you into long-term agreements? That's because they don't want you talking to us. At IFS, we win your business the good old-fashioned way, with customer service. I know you don't always have to use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hi there, and welcome back to the Digital Insurance Pint Podcast for yet another episode. And we are super pleased to uh, have a returning guest, a first time ever, uh, Charlene Lamdeo uh, from the uh, Digital Marketing Consultancy at Aviva. We spent some time talking about brokers and dug into Jeff, Adam, and Steve's results and so on. And this time we're going to turn the, uh, the lens around to talk about who actually are your competitors. And uh, first I'm going to get Jeff, Adam, and Steve to tell us who they think their competitors are. And then Charlene's got some, some facts and some data that uh, she'll look at it from a customer's perspective when they're looking for insurance. So Jeff, I'll, I'll go to you first. You know, you're, you're in a uh, uh, small town, Ontario, uh, Clinton and various other parts of the, that particular neighborhood. Who is, who is your competitor? That's funny. I, I, when I speak in the U S I always talk, I come from a town of 3,200 people in Metro Clinton here, but realistically there's only so much business you can get in a smaller area. So we picked uh, certain areas in about a two to three hour radius from Clinton where we want to show up and we want to be relevant. So we have various competitors uh, that we're competing against, but probably over the last year, our most vicious has been the directs, uh, the TDs, the sonnets, the Bel Airs, uh, the Desjardins, those seem to be the ones that we probably, I would say an average lose 100 to 150 new pieces of business each month that would be in our, that we would write. We do pick up a lot of new business and we get some from them, but uh, generally we found that their rating has been super competitive uh, historically. Now we're starting to see that turn over the last couple months and we're starting to turn the tide, but they seem to show up in the first couple of pages of Google. They've got big budgets. Uh, their brands are more recognizable. So we seem to be slugging it out with them. Uh, that seems to be who we run across. So Steve, I'll, I'll go to you. You're out east. You're in a you know metro area, tend to focus more more in the online space. But uh, who, who's your competitor? Because I run a digital shop and a more traditional shop that's digitizing, um, they're a little bit different. So I would say for bald insurance, um, the one, the number one competitor that that's in our kitchen, uh, is TD all the time. Um, but they're the number one that we take business from too, other than other brokers and stuff. Um, it's interesting because when lifestyles change and you're with a direct writer, you go back to a broker, you bought a rental, you've gotten a cottage, you got a boat. So something's changed and you don't fit that, um, direct writer box you anymore. You don't fit the cookie cutter anymore. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, we lose and gain a lot of business back and forth. So there's transition that way. Uh, with the digital shop at cheap, um, TD again, 
but it's the younger crowd, the millennials that are brainwashed because they think that they're getting a discount that really isn't a discount. Um, I mean, is a discount a discount when everybody in the world gets it? Even if they didn't, I, I don't know. Um, so getting those, yeah, Sonnet was uh, a challenge for a little while, but then they uh, stopped buying business and started underwriting. Um, so it ebbs and flows on the digital side. Who's the competitor of the week? Now let's go to Adam, who's you know in our biggest city of Toronto. Adam, who who's your competitor or competitors, as the case may be? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick two and two distinct buckets, and and I'm not gonna comment on who's writing a lot of business. I'm gonna comment on who we compete with for attention. Um, in Google, to where we have a big arms race and spend a lot of money working on, uh, we compete with the uh, aggregators. And so they also fund a huge amount of money and that is an arms race is how I like to see it and describe it. Um, and so we compete with them to try and get what Google is serving up as people querying. In the second bucket, there are some insurers that wear the partner and competitor hat. And I, I don't always know whether it's a wolf in sheep's clothing or not. It can come in a number of avenues via um, competing for our customers' attention to get alignment with their brand and to, you know, steer it to their loyalty. Um, and it can come in a second fashion of them funding true competitors. So they've, they've bought other brokers, they fund other brokers, they compete for staff, they compete for clients. And so those are my two channels competing for attention. Not one of you said other brokers are your competition, right? I heard direct writers, I heard aggregators, and I heard carriers. And you're not, Adam, when you say carriers, you're not talking about direct writer carriers, you're talking about broker carriers, yeah? Well, let's not fool ourselves. I mean, there is a broker carrier that owns every direct writer. Yeah. I mean, shy of, shy of TD, which like give that a little another couple quarters. Okay, but, but specifically, like you're not like, you're not calling out Sonnet per se or Bel Air. You're calling out their their owners. I'm calling out, you know, ABC Insurance Company to not put names on buys XYC broker, gives them an unlimited budget to blow their brains out on AdWords and or staffing or headhunting or other piece. And now they don't need a business case to compete. They get to go in strategic investment land and blow their brains out. You didn't define define the question by Who's your competitor based on price or who's your competitor based on real estate of getting in front of the eyes of the customer? How I heard the question and how I answered the question was, you know, who is my competitor? So I answered, who is my external threat? It's, it's my partners that I'm working with to sell their wholesale products via my retail channels and they fund other retailers and create a mess. Um, and then number two, how do I find new customers? Well, my other external threat is the aggregators, all funded by private equity and, you know, yep. giant, you know, P&Ls that can really afford this arms race. That, that's, that's, to be honest, that's really what I meant. Like it's more as a business owner, who do you worry about? Who do you fight with? Who do you think about when you're, when you get up in the morning and you go to bed at night? The one thing that really struck me is, is that it's not it's not brokers at large you're competing with, right? It's not it's not the guy down the street that you're competing with. So, Charlene, 
obviously you're going to be focusing more on the sort of website when, you know, that significant percentage of consumers goes to Google and says, hey, I need car insurance. Where do I get it? Or worse to that effect. What do you see out there? Like, who, who do you think is the, is the competition for this representative group of brokers here? So I'd say one of the biggest competitors in the space is anybody that shows up on that first page of Google. So regardless of where you're searching. So if you're searching, for example, car insurance Sudbury, um, what you're going to see on that page is you're going to see top paid advertising, which is going to be like your Omnia's, your Bel Air's, your Sonnets, your TD's, your Allstate, Desjardins. And then in the organic listing, you're going to start to see what you think are independent brokers, like BrokerLink, for example, which is intact. You're going to start to see PC Financial. You're going to see a lot of the banks in there. Um, but you don't see independent brokers on that page. And this is the big issue that we're seeing right now is independent brokers don't exist on the first page of Google for a lot of locations. Where do you hide a dead body? Second page of Google, one of my favorite lines. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right? So, so that's, that's not good, obviously, for brokers. I mean, I've heard varying stats of something like 75% of Canadians these days are going to Google to at least start their buying journey. They're not, you know, very few of them are actually completing it online per se. But many, many, you know, a significant majority of people go to Google to get some sort of input, you know, some factor in their decision-making process is what they're seeing on the first page of Google. As Jeff says, nobody's going to the second page of Google, but that first page of Google is super important. And what you're saying is that it's basically direct writers, uh, aggregators, and uh, some of the bigger uh, broker insurance companies. Exactly. And, and what a lot of customers where brokers don't really realize is a lot of the things that they do on their website is helping these insurer partners and, and, and what you assume are insurer partners rank better. So for example, every time you list all your carrier logos on your site, that's a backlink for Aviva, Intact, you know, whoever those markets are, and that's helping boost their SEO for you guys. Another thing people don't realize too is like Economical, for example, writes all these fantastic blog articles Brokers are like, okay, fantastic content for me to add on my site. You add it on your site. You think you're building out your blog. You're building out this content. Content's king. But what Economical does is they put a canonical tag on that article, which um, stops you from ranking for that. And all the SEO juice goes back to Economical. So think about that. If 60 brokers post the same article, how much you're boosting Economical as a site itself. So there's all these little things you don't realize that you're you're doing that's actually helping you know, bring down your ranking on Google and boost, you know, these competitors. The other one that I'll, that I'll highlight too is Intact Client Portal. So imagine having that Intact Client Portal on your site. That's a strong backlink. And how many brokers are using that Intact Client Portal that link off their existing site to give them that backlink boost? So I think a key point there is never use a company's article and share it and uh, do it verbatim. Like you can quote it, but make sure you do your own. If you're copying somebody else's stuff and pasting it, that is the uh, worst strategy you can have as a broker. Like, you know, duplicate, you can't put duplicate content out there. And obviously links, like we'll show our company logos. We won't put backlinks on our front page to give them our SEO juice, right? We struggle to get our own companies to put our links on properly and, you know, follow, no follow links on their websites too, right? So it kind of goes a two-way street. Companies want to get the juice, but they don't want to give the juice back. So, so Charlene, what you talked about is, you know, is how brokers are inadvertently helping intact rank. Uh, but still, I mean, but Bel Air is highly ranked uh, typically on the first page, broker link typically. And, you know, no brokers, as far as I know, are uh, giving backlinks to, you know, either broker link or Bel Air. So how are they 
so high on Google as well. So, so what they're doing is essentially just getting into the content game. So if you look at like a Lois Ray, a broker link, and take a look at any of their pages, what they're doing is they're excessively using keywords on those pages and, and dominating in areas that they don't even have offices. So that's what they're doing. So they're doing the hard work, right? It, it is. It's dedicated teams to kind of pump out that content. Well, the other thing too is don't forget your don't forget they've got a good domain rank and page rank because they've linked cross linked to other sites they own. So basically, that's they they don't have to write as good a content and a lot of their content isn't quite as long. It's short, but it's got the words in it and it resonates better because of those links, right? So can we we take it one other direction for a second? So you guys made the joke, and I think it's a true joke about the best place to hide a dead body is page two of Google, right? That's all to say that if you're not on page one, you don't matter. So what is it? The top three or four spots are paid now, right? It's just a bounty. Whoever pays more gets that and can have it. So what we're really fighting over is the next, what do you want to call it? Five, maybe seven spots. How many other spots are left three, organic? On three. It's three paid, three. You got to also consider the map pack as well. Yeah. So what do we want to call it? Three, five, seven, whatever. Okay. There are 2,500 brokerages plus the all the little franchises um, in Ontario fighting over five, three spots, right? Like if, if you don't think this is an arms race and maybe a fight not worth picking, like I guess I, I provoke that question. Is this a fight that the average broker should get into or should their goal be to lock up their local trading territory so that they rank there, they're on the map, they have reviews, get real, you're not about to take over the next major city next to you unless you are going to spend more and spend it effectively than those other brands you just mentioned. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. That's the thing I think a lot of brokers make the mistake of is they don't focus on their trade area directly and compete there and then expand outwards. They're trying to go all across Ontario. They're trying to go in locations that they don't rank for. They're kind of going in locations that they're not necessarily going to be competitive on. If you're on the fifth page of Google, you, you know, the, regardless of how much SEO you're going to pump into it, it's going to take you a long time to get into that front page if if you can even make it there. And that's why I think looking at your keywords and saying, okay, what do I rank for right now? Majority of the keywords that you'll rank for are going to be your actual brand name and wherever your office location is. So focus on those and how can you boost those to the top with little to no effort, end up on the first page, and then look at, you know, surrounding areas outside of that where you can kind of boost that as well. Couple things I want to bring up. We're talking about organic only. So there's obviously other ways, paid search, social media, other ways to drive traffic. So we're strictly talking about organic. And we're talking about, I talk about organic rank is own land versus rented land. If I'm driving so many, like four or 500 leads organically, that stuff will continue as long as I continue my page rank and continue to write content to keep myself relevant. But if I can't get enough traffic, then I got to go to the rented land, which is AdWords, social media, different sources. To be able to boost that up right does brand matter and does it stick out or is it irrelevant because you don't show up on the first page i think brand is important so what a lot of brokers don't realize is so the brokers that tell you about they get referral business and people search us by name or no name in the community if you don't purchase your own brand name on google i guarantee you bel air's there only is there td's there purchasing your name so that's where brokers are losing that business. Imagine I search Excalibur Insurance and the first link that I see there is rates.ca. And that's the first link I'm clicking on. So a lot of brokers are getting diluted 
on Google because, you know, these big directs, these big insurance players are, are just buying the keyword insurance. And if people are searching for you by name, here's three other options that are coming up if you're not playing in that paid space. So go, go back a sec. So maybe un unpack that for, for people like myself and our, some of our less sophisticated folks. And you're saying that Bel Air, so I've got Tom Reed Insurance Brokerage, right? And so I, you know, I go out there and buy TomReedInsuranceBrokerage.com. You're telling me that Bel Air is actually using my keywords to direct traffic to them? Yeah. So what they're doing is they're just paying for the keyword insurance and anything that falls into that will definitely rank. Like they'll definitely rank for. What, what they're grabbing on is insurance, right? So it's they insurance. buy everything insurance with a forward or rear handle on either side. So the fact that you are called Tom Reed Insurance means that they're going to show up on the trigger of insurance. Yeah, the other thing too is uh, we a bunch of us have bought a bunch of people in the Philippines and they go into different websites and they continue to jack up. So every time they do that, I have them go in there and they jack up the cost of it so they stop doing it. No, you can teasing. still buy people in the Philippines? <laughs> that's, that's what I heard too. No, like, no, what? I, I, you, you basically, you have VAs and you can get people in the Philippines to go in there with different IP addresses to do this and actually jack those prices. I'm just teasing. <laughs> We're not, nobody's doing that, but I'm saying that could be a strategy for you, right? So <laughs> jack up the cost. But back to that, the quality score, like I, I'm not sure if we're going to talk about AdWords at all. Is that, is that on our list of stuff or maybe we can pack that in later? Go for it, Jeff. Well, I just wondered about AdWords, like you have your, you know, your quality score. I don't know if you want to talk about how you rank, but, you know, basically you have to look at your quality score. So sometimes, yes, insurance might be a $30 word or longer tail, but because your quality ranking is a lot higher, you're getting that at five, ten dollars $10, right? So as many are most of these brokers are fighting against people that have an SEO team, a little more sophisticated that can do this and analyze this, almost trade it like Bitcoin, where they're actually analyzing that versus people that are randomly going in there, right? So it, Adam mentions an arms race. Is there an arms race heating up where you got bigger brokers with bigger teams, companies with big teams going against people that are sporadically doing it? There's got to be a real, a huge discrepancy or maybe a barrier of entry some people can't make. Like what, how do you see the landscape for some people that are behind? Can they catch up? Yeah, and, and that's the big mistake I think a lot of brokers see is like you can't rely on paid advertising as your only strategy because that's like a pay to play game, right? Unless you're pumping money into Google, the phones are ringing. The minute you stop and you're not relying on like, you know, organic listings, anything else in that market, um, you know, the phones stop ringing. So it's a very difficult game to keep up with because you don't, brokers don't have that kind of budget to spend. I, I guess my exception, I, I don't want to be rude, but I'm going to be sort of harming this question. Every lead is a paid lead, right? There's nobody that's getting leads without investing something. Maybe it was 10 years of legacy and you got a nice referral, but that you invested a lot to earn that referral. Uh, it could be your time you spent at the parade or church or handing out things and you collected names and went at it. Could be SEO, but that's not free. And then there's SEM, the search engine marketing, paid advertising. Um, our example is so our, our AdWord leads cost $25, $26. And if you go to buy a lead off an aggregator, it's $36. So we have a $10 incentive or, you know, a third of the price off to, like, how hard in your mind is it to start landing pages? The good part about that $25 lead that you paid for versus the aggregator lead is that they're not going to go back and attack that customer at renewal. Well, I'll say this too. One, there is no other brands talking to that person. I have exclusivity until my insurance partner tries to trick them into an app. Um, I shouldn't have said trick a little better. Uh, two, 
my brand, our brand, solved the problem. So they went to Google with a query, said, how do I solve this? Our ad came up, and then there, that brand, that ad solved their problem. So yeah, I think that is worth a lot more than that, never mind the discount we get. Adam, thanks for that. So that's, that's an interesting uh, difference in that pricing there. And I think, you know, Jeff, maybe you can expand upon that. Like, what does that mean? So, so if Adam can get an ad word, a lead in through an ad word at 25 bucks, or, he, or you know, his other choice is to buy uh, a lead from lowest rates at 35 bucks, like what is that? That's 10 bucks. Who gives a shit, right? Like, what does that really mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, $10 is the difference between breaking even and, and losing money. Uh, if you look at a $35, $35 lead dividing, let's say Adam's got a 10% close ratio, you divide $35 by 10, you have a $350 acquisition cost using the aggregator. Adam's getting it for $25, so he's got a $250 acquisition cost dividing it out. Doesn't seem like a lot, but if you're writing a $3,000 policy at, say, a 15% commission, I won't go 14.1, whatever the average is, but or 12 and a half, and you do the math on there, you're into $350 a commission, so you're you're pretty tight on the edge by the time you you pay for the lead and then you pay salaries and overhead you've lost money in year one and if your retention's not very good and you're not getting that reoccurring revenue stream and the person drops off the books the next year the year after you, that's a losing proposition whereas in adam's world at uh, 250 dollars at his overhead he can at least break even hopefully in year one maybe a small profit but at renewal is where you do well the reoccurring revenue stream Yes, what you're saying is if you're getting, if your cost of acquisition is, is around 250, you can actually grow without driving into massive cash flow problems. If you're at 350 and you're growing, you know, if the new business is a significant chunk of your business, you can't fund it, let's say from the renewal side, you're going to have cash flow problems. If, if you think or any brokers think that they're looking to get into this game in any major way, scaling it, and scaling can be going from zero to three or four people, you will dig a financial hole. And that financial hole will multiply by the number of people you add onto that team. No mixed words about it. Don't kid yourself. You are going into debt to run that department and figure this out. And there's no guarantee you're figuring it out or that you're going to be any good at it. So you need to have the chops for it and the credit limit to do it and or the money to invest. It, it is truly a big learning curve. Every year it gets harder, more difficult, right? It's the, the barriers of entry are getting harder. The scale is getting harder. The competitors are getting bigger. Yeah, everything's going up. So it's like when you go on Facebook, it's really easy to get a following the first couple of years, but it astronomically gets harder to grow your base and your fan base on every social media platform because the costs go up. So it gets difficult every year. You know, there's really no reason why any broker, be it mom and pop shop with a website or not, should not own page one of their six digit postal code where they reside. Is that, is that right, Charlene? And if they're doing it right, you know, that six or even not three, but close to it postal code within the surroundings of their office, they should come up number one all the time. And that's going to crowd out a lot of other people. Yeah. And then the gap there though, is a lot of these brokers aren't doing anything. So, let me ask you guys a question, which I think I know the answer to, but do you see that your key sales metrics like close rate, retention, and so on differ between uh, organic SEO versus paid SEM? Yeah. The, I, I'll say the bigger difference, and this is provocative, is, is the referral channel will close at 70% or greater. And so if you can drive walk-ins and do face-in-face, -face, there's just no way around it. It closes really well. 
But if you want to get into the the major leagues of fastballs coming across the plate, you know, one of the quotes we had from earlier things, yeah, buckle up. Like 30% would be an exceptional closing rate. Like you need to budget for 10. Hey, loyal listeners, when you hear me say CAS certified, that means that we use them in our agency. Are you a local insurance agent looking to take your business to the next level? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS aka nationwide brokerage solutions but like in today's world we use these initials like it's cool because it is it's hip at nationwide brokerage solutions they offer the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing market that's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers no matter how unique they may be with a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and the guidance you need to see your agency succeed. Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't you survive in the competitive insurance industry? Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions today. Get started today and learn more at mbsbrokerage.com. That's where you learn more, mbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Assuming assuming that my hypothesis is correct, that you know SEO organic leads are you know close at a higher rate and retain at a higher rate a, l- a little a little bit but you're look you're you're talking 10 to then organic will close at 15 maybe 18 or something but you're those other very traditional ones and this is a big problem where i think charlene could probably weigh in of why people don't like digital or online leads is it is a lot more work it's closer to diamond mining than it is fruit picking Right. And so the classic, we got to carry a lot of dirt to get a few diamonds per truckload in this very low closing rate where brokers traditionally that owned Main Street were very used to 80 percent closing rates when somebody walked in, because where else were they going to go? I just wanted to sort of hammer on Steve's point here is that the reason why you want to be owning your own space is that's because where people are going and you can you can get there. Uh, you can get a decent, from a digital perspective, decent close rate with that SEO. So that, that's why it's important. I think it's true, but I just want to go the other way and say, I would get more dates if I was taller and better looking. But there's no guarantee I'm going to get there. So you can go off down this adventure of like the spine stretching and, you know, my nice tan, you know, new hair or something. But like, if you set out on a perfect stranger and we played the apprentice and we all took a broker and said, okay, we're going to try and get their website to rank. You won't have the results to your previous point for six, eight months. Like SEM, you know, the cost it's ring fenced. It will not go a penny over your budget and you'll have a lead in a minute, like right now. So why, uh, so I'm, I'm hearing Steve and to a certain extent, Charlene say, Hey, I, if you're a you know regional broker, you can own, you can own your local area. You, it sounds like you're saying they, they shouldn't even bother. No, no, I, I agree with that one. Like have that ring fence your area. And that's now the geolocated digital version of the storefront you already did own. Have that, take that back from the aggregator that currently owns it. Get yourself on the map. Just, I think get really realistic with yourself if you're going to try and expand the territory past that. Oh, you're going to have to buy. You're going to have to buy. So step one, own your postal code. Step two, Start to stretch that out with SEM. And SEM is is one very vertical discipline. And then you can almost count all the other platforms as separate. Like Facebook is a whole nother art form to learn, skill set. 
Uh, you can probably layer on Instagram or wherever else you want to go. LinkedIn's a whole nother animal again. And so because you're good at one doesn't make you immediately relatable to the others. Um, yeah, I just, it, I don't know. I, this, this lives in my world of, of, a, of a bar fight. You need to really consider if you can finish the fight. And so there are certain little ones you can, and there's other ones that you maybe shouldn't throw the punch because you could use that dollar somewhere else. Like Adam having like, you know, $25 cost per click, like fantastic, but that's because he consistently puts money in and optimizes it, right? But that's, so a, that's exactly learning. where I want to hammer. I want to fully disclose, put it on the table. I have literally spent $5 million getting it down to $25, right? And that's that that's conflating a whole number of other things, but like, we've worked hard at the skill sets it's but adwords is exceptional in that you can go to adwords express you can get your little geographic area and the smaller you cast the net the cheaper the leads are if you try and go national or you know a high volume of leads your cost goes through the roof but if if you're trying to get five leads a day from your local hood you can do that way cheaper than aggregators and you'll have some pain at first but I think you'll get over that um, while you learn it, and then you'll enjoy retention and brand awareness and other things. And then I think it's long tail. Like if you go, if you're trying to go yes. after uh, insurance, you're done. But auto, auto insurance, Toronto, if you have two, three, four words, you have a lot better to rank, and the cost of those are a lot less. Yes, there's not as much traffic, but you can rank and buy those words, and there's still some great leads there. So don't try and compete on the $60, $70 words. Like uh, insurance is the highest ranked Google ad word there is. At broke all the records it's number one right because they know you're renewing your policy that's the best intent out there and that's why paid ad advertising is still better than social media because social media is more intrusive you don't know when people advertise as well there's way tricks around that but totally different method right so adam used the uh so the bar fight uh metaphor a few minutes ago i was in my head i was thinking about those old charles atlas cartoons in the back of comics where he gets sand kicked in his face and then he comes back he bulks up and now he beats up the bully and stuff so if you're a broker and you want to take on you know the intacts of the world and the lowest rates of the world and rates.ca and whoever else on that first page of google like are there tactics they pursue that you as a broker can copy are there tactics they pursue that you can overcome like what are you know, give us a sense what are some of the things they do and you know are these repeatable by brokers so one of the things I think that brokers can really excel on is like the Google My Business reviews, right? Like the reviews, um, those are real people, real reviews. If you look at something like the lowest rates, lowest rates still ask for people to give reviews, but on what? They didn't actually sell you a policy. They, they gave you a rate, you use the platform, uh, but they're not the one helping you sell the policy or selling you the policy. They're not the one getting you the rate down for the accurate rate. So why are they getting the Google reviews for, for you selling the business? So. So things like that, I think, like acquisition strategy, you know, when a customer gets onboarded, are you asking for a Google review? Even in the claims process, you know, did you do claims counseling with the with the customer? Could they get a review on that? You know, renew the policy. Can you get a review on that? So I think that's what will definitely help. And that adds a human helm, the human element back to it, right? So if you have customers looking for, you know, if somebody picked up the phone and called me and I had a really great experience, like that's where the broker wins because people read those reviews. If you look at TV's reviews, it's all nobody called me back, nobody picked up the phone, I waited two hours. So that's where you can really position yourself is, you know, Carolyn helped me at Mitchell and Whale or, you know, I had a really great experience and, you know, they helped me out. Okay, so you you mentioned uh, 
let's go to the aggregator side of thing and bust that open a bit. Um, I don't think there's a broker in the world would disagree with me that the best piece of business that they write or the best lead that they have is a direct referral. Um, I'm not sure how much, how great I would feel about a referral from a customer that called that referral back the next year and said, actually, no, you should deal with that guy instead. So let's talk about how aggregators sort of recycle. We have a recurring revenue model. They're developing that too. And that's sort of reselling the lead that they sold to me last year to Adam this year. So I actually did a few mystery shops with lowest ranks. And what's interesting about the lowest rate platform is it asks you a bunch of questions. You come in um, and it puts a 20% discount if I come in for monoline home, for example, because it'll say I'll bundle my auto. So I went through the process that I wanted a home and auto discount of 20%. I came in for home and the market that they served me up, even though I wanted auto as well, was square one. And to the regular customer, you're like, fantastic, you know, I'm going to go through this process. But anybody else would know that Square One only offers property. So I, there's no way I could place my, my auto with them. The other issue you run into, too, because there's no broker intervention there, is now I've placed my home with Square One, bound online, policy issue, and now I have to go place my monoline auto somewhere else. So I'm going to go back through lowest rates, go in and get another quote for auto, and it's going to place me with another market. So now I have two brokers calling me. And it's it's competing against each other. Oh, yeah, but both but of those brokers they got to the they got to sell two leads, did they not? Exactly. Yeah. Because they there's no logic in the back end of the system, so that's one of the big flaws that we saw. And keeping like imagine now the customer who I just placed my like home with Square One, not knowing, and now I went from a great lead because I had a home in auto, and now I'm just a monoline auto customer trying to get the best lead, and I can't get the multi line discount. I can't get you know additional discounts because I'm, I'm not going to be that sticky customer for a broker. I'm not bringing in two policies. And I just kick myself um, not knowing. And that's where the broker value comes in. Because any broker would have been like, bring both your policies with the same market. Look at this additional discount that you get for multi-line and all that stuff. But that's where the lowest rate gap is. It's 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 a race to the bottom for the lowest price, but there's no advice in there. there there's no um, common sense that kind of comes into that play. Sorry to p pile onto that same one when when you're comparing through all of the markets and you get down to the lowest price that could be also labeled the thinnest margin for the manufacturer the partner the insurance company so if you get compared against 70 other companies and you only win business when it's at your weakest underwriting point or the thinnest amount of margin that that erodes your margin as a business as well. Another issue like you run into with these aggregators is there's traditional brokers that are buying these these aggregator leads and on their website itself they don't show a price. So now you have brokers that have to sell on a false price that's three, four hundred dollars higher and they're not used to selling that type of business. Because they come into the site, it's a traditional form, they come and they never see a price. Broker gets to build a relationship versus the price shopper that comes in through the aggregator. And you're having to sell on a four or $500 difference. So that's where it becomes difficult. Like, How do you close if your staff isn't trained to kind of sell that kind of business? Let me, so Sean, just, let me just unpack that for a second. So you're talking about a broker who normally, or, you know, traditionally they collect some leads, but it's just, hey, give me your name and address. We'll call you back and then we'll do our 
you know, we'll do our, our, our own internal Raider on you and do the normal thing, right? And you're saying, okay, so now I'm used to that. My staff are used to building the price with the client on the phone or, you know, as we interact with that client, you're saying versus all of a sudden their new experience is, oh, I'm going to buy some leads from an aggregator. The customer comes to them with a price in mind because they've already got that price on that website. That's, what the, that's what's in that customer's head as they go to that broker. And you're saying now that broker may struggle trying to replicate uh, that, that rate. Is that, that exactly? It's a very hard sell. I, I've I've heard that story. I mean, how how like how how is is that is that a story? Is that real? Like, what how, what percentage every of every day? Happen? You have to imagine need. every single one of them. The price is never going to be accurate. No, I, I get it. That's I get that it's always going to be out. It's always going to be out because it's insurance. We can never get our goddamn prices right. But you think it'd be up sometimes and down other times. And in some cases, you'd be like, oh, you were told. Twelve hundred dollars is actually eleven fifty. Good well, news. Like, but unpack that one, Tom. Like, if if you call Jeff or Steve and you want to talk through what your price is, that is the price that it will be uploaded and issued to. You will get an accurate price while talking to the broker. So, that like we are insurance, we can't get our price right. No, that that is only a symptom of a singular tool that all the aggregators use. Hey, if if I want to go into CompuQuote and manipulate my own thing, well, Black Guys isn't at fault. Um, and so on. I'm going to get a great price. You're always going to have the gap where they do it. And that's where the value of a broker jumping on and going through it. Adam taking the phone call. They never get a, a, down to that, that bottomless pit with the wrong number because they walk through it at that point. Now, some people want to get a price before they jump on the phone. There's ever, you know, it's like, there's no perfect one way to go through Disneyland. There's 50 different ways to go through it. So everybody wants a different journey, but there's different ones that yield better results. But there, 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 there are people using the various aggregators and they're using them like these, these guys, these guys are still in business and they're growing like crazy. So there's got to be something to it, right? So well, it's, it's, not like, it's not the like Adam, every... The Adam's point about the pay-per-click, right? Like why pay $35 for a lead when you can pay 25? It's because they don't have the digital skill set to get into the paid space because they've heard in the past that I had to spend so much money and they think this is the quick solution, but it, it's to their detriment because you've got to sell on a price that you'll, you'll never be able to replicate. And then when the customer is angry, they take it out in your Google review. So what happens to your your ranking, your brand, all of that? Or stuff. or they go back to the well. So they've or been they dissatisfied the for well, you yeah. on that last phone call or something, and they just go back to the other one, and the roulette machine goes and it distributes somewhere else. It is, it's not coming back to you. And the aggregator is happy because they just made thirty five extra bucks. I think they are adding a value to an otherwise sort of murky world that the the public doesn't understand. So they go to the website, they enter a relative small amount of questions, and they get a relatively pretty good indication of the marketplace. And all the gripes are around the real nuance of it. But that world only exists because brokers continuously outsource their marketing to firms that are aggregators. And that, that's, that's a great way to put it, I think, because if you were to get your own SEO team or your own SEM guy or whatever, like you have and Jeff and Steve have, you ha you, you've insourced lowest rates or insource rates.ca or rate hub or, you know, whoever, whoever you're talking about. So you've insourced those guys, whereas a lot of brokers choose to outsource it, which means that, you know, you take, you take the good and the bad. I think that is a very fair way to say it, but I want to self-declare that a simplistic landing pages, and we have tons of them, name, phone number, email, which are laying old tests. Like it's probably frustrating not finding a quarter on our site. Every web form will close at 10%. It's like the 2% guaranteed direct mailer thing. You start mass mailing direct mailers, you're going to get 2% of the people returning the calls. 
It's a law of big numbers. It happens. So if you're already banking on only 10%, whether it's there or not, anybody, and this is grandpa that's confused about the VCR clock, can make a landing page and use an AdWords Express account to jam 50 bucks in it and get a lead out of those combos. You basically have to decide as a business owner what's right for your business model. And a bottom line is, what are you going to invest? What do you want to get as a return? And how are you tracking it? And if you can't do any of that stuff, be very, very careful what you jump into. The question is, who did who did I buy insurance from? Did I buy it from the aggregator or did I buy it from that brand? Well, anything that any lead that comes from an aggregator in the in the consumer's head, they're like, oh, I went to x aggregator that brand and i got a decent price i'm going to do it again this year if they get it from your brand the expectation is that you'll do that so the retention is way 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 higher even on the pay-per-click stuff the sem stuff yeah that's a good call out too like you know how much does your brand get diluted when you use an aggregator because the email comes from the aggregator and then at the end of that process, the aggregator also sends you a request for a Google review, a request for a Trustpilot review, a, you know, a review for like, how did you find the system and the technology that we used, right? And it's coming from the CEO of the aggregator. So you're associating, you know, a lot of the brand recognition with the aggregator itself. But to your point, like, you know, at the end of the year, do I remember that I bought a policy through cheap or was it through... The aggregator because I had so many interactions and touch points with them. Yeah, the aggregator next year is going to go. Would you like us to do that again for you? Hey, the CEO's back. Yeah, I'm back. I just said I just had one question before. Uh, let's fast forward five years, ten years. We're at this point in the industry where you've got you know four or five different levels of brokers. You know, digitally advanced people, traditional. You know, uh, there's four or five different groupings, and maybe you want to share how Aviva identifies them. Where do you see everything in five years? Like, where where are we going to be five years from now? Is there going to be four or five big Uber big brokers that are Canada wide that are either owned by equity or by other entities, plus the direct writers? Will there still be some people like us that are smaller surviving? Where do you see things in five years, Charlene? Yeah, that's a great question. I think what we'll see is it's going to be a couple of massive players. And the only reason I say this now is because of the brand identity, right? If you think about the traditional brokerage um, that relied on that walk-in traffic, COVID obviously switched that and people can't go into the walk-ins anymore. They can't, you know, they're not visiting the main street to their local grocery store. They're staying home. So where do those customers go now? Like they're going to online. If the only things I'm seeing online is rates.ca, kinetics, you know, lowest rates. Those are the brands I'm associating with. So how does a broker, you know, stay ahead of some of those competitors? And I think back to Steve's point, it's that local play. Like, are you present on your local SEO searches? Are you present on that map listing? You know, are you touching base with your current customers to make sure you're retaining them and getting referrals through? I think that's where a lot of the brokers are going to have to play to survive is a lot of that retention brand building on kind of that grassroots level because you can't play against these big players on the paid space. You know what, Charlene? I was going to ask you to sort of wrap it up for us, but I think you just did that all on your own. So, um, and, and I will maybe give you another another thought here. So we've talked, we've talked SEO, we've talked SEM, we've talked aggregators, uh, you know, a variety of methods um for brokers to uh to drive leads and you know and you've 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 focused you've suggested focusing it on your local area and so on what so 
once you've, uh, you know, you may not, you know, hopefully be able to answer this uh, as a, instead of a, it depends, but um, so let, let's say as a broker, okay, I've, I've mastered my local area, right? So let's, let, let's take it from one step up here. We, we use this to kind of close out here, but what do I do next? I've got my master, you know, my six digit postal code, as Steve says, I've got that local area master. I've got my Google, my business, got, I've got my Facebook page at all my, the local uh, folks are looking at and so on. What's next? What, what, what do I, how do I, how do I break out of my bubble? Yeah. So once you've dominated that local SEO, organically, you're going to start driving that traffic and then you have a supplement of a little bit of paid. And I think that's when you reinvest that money you would have spent doing paid in that local area to outside of that area now. So choose a neighboring town, choose a bigger city that you want to expand to. And that's where you're going to start moving your money. And I think that's a mistake that brokers do is like they're not optimizing to the point where they can transfer that money and move it across. Okay, that's that's great feedback because honestly, uh, so basically what you're saying is get another bubble, right? You, you've mastered your local bubble. Pick another bubble, go take that one. So minimal spend there, maintain it, but focus your energies on a new area, a new bubble. Because that's, because uh, to be honest, I, I didn't want to close on, hey, master your local area and be happy with it because that's really depressing for most brokers, I would say. That basically is, you know, it's defense. And, uh, you know, Jeff, Jeff needs defense from him because he's a goalie, but... Most brokers want to play yeah. offense, right? So, so off, offense, I think, is what I'm hearing you say is master your bubble, get the home team advantage, and then start picking away at the, uh, you know, start expanding outwards from there. That answers how to get more leads, but like to Sherlene's opening point on the last episode of you, you got to buy the scale, you got to have the lead manager to track your results. That's good. Well, as we're in the COVID bubble, it's nice to look at expanding a bubble at a time. So great advice. That's why I'm thinking, that's why I want to burst out of the bubble because I've had enough of this shit. But anyway, <laughs> I actually, just as an aside, I've been getting, you know, Facebook tells me, oh, here's what you're doing a year ago, two years ago. And I got one thing, here's what you're doing a year ago. And it was, I was in my basement. I was like, Jesus Christ. But anyway, <laughs> um, Charlene, do you want to take 30 seconds and, and uh, give us your last thoughts and close the, close the episode for us? Just to wrap it up, I think aggregators have a purpose. Like, like to what they've been saying today, I think it's a great starting point. It's a great if you're testing different things, but it's not a sustainable strategy for anybody. If you're relying on that money, you know, you it's better spent on SEO paid and something else and maybe supplementing with the aggregators as you're building and growing, but, but it's not a long-term solution. So brokers should be dominating certain spaces or local area and then surrounding areas as they plan to grow. Awesome. So Charlene, I want to thank you uh, again uh, it's been a pleasure. As I said, uh, you are the first person to make a, a reappearance on the Digital Insurance Client Podcast. So uh, first ever two episodes, double first ever double header, exactly. So uh, so that's fantastic. Thank you very much, Charlene. Appreciate all the time and and uh, knowledge you brought to the table. And and um, uh, also, well, in the mode of thank yous, I want to thank my co-hosts, but also our uh, sponsors. So Garrison for sure. And our new sponsors, which our editor will put their logo in right there. Um, so, <laughs> so on behalf of the team, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Is retention important to your brokerage? Of course it is. That's why at IFS, we have a cancellation prevention process. Want more details? Give us a call. I know you don't always use a premium finance company, but when you do, you should use IFS. Cheers. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. 
Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, AK Agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast Certified.